Hello and welcome to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization, big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by Sukup Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. You've cultivated a great list of donors, you've launched an annual appeal, and the gifts are starting to come in. So far, so good. But what information are you capturing about your donors so that you can better target them for the next campaign and the one after that and so on? Are you doing the right things to move your donors along the path from the first gift to what will hopefully be many more later? And then there's your list. Is it the same list you use year after year? Can you make it better? What do you have to do? These are just some of the questions that nonprofits ask themselves on a daily basis, all about donor management. Donors are everything. And with the right information, you can maximize the potential of each and every donor in your database. To give us a background on donor management, we have two guests on the show today. Jill McCarville, Vice President of Marketing, and Mitchell Bruce, Senior Account Executive. Both are with iWave. iWave is a top-rated donor prospect research tool used by dozens of nonprofits. And from their office in Prince Edward Island, I'd like to welcome you both to the show today. Thanks, Joe. Great to be here. Very excited to be on the podcast. Thanks a lot for having us, Joe. Good to have you both. So I'd like to spend our time today focusing on donor management from two perspectives. From one side, we're going to start with the we're still using spreadsheets kind of people. And Mitch, I, I know you run into those those people still. And there's nothing wrong with it, but there's so much more we can do, right? <laughs> now, that's the one side. The other side is we've got donor management down to a science, but we could always use a few tips and tricks, okay? So let's start at the beginning. Jill, when did donor management go from the spreadsheet to the desktop? I think for many organizations, it actually went from the spreadsheet to the desktop years ago, but there's lots of nonprofits just getting going or ramping up that are still using spreadsheets. And that's not a problem. It's not to say that's a bad thing, but even with spreadsheet use of your donor management, there's a lot more you can be doing to get to know your donors better. Right. And that's really what it's all about. That's why we have donor management. But now, is there anything positive we can say about the old-fashioned Excel spreadsheet kind of thing? I mean, it, it does the basics, right? Absolutely. It does the basics. I think whenever you get into the point where your nonprofit is trying to raise more money, trying to identify, oh, these people have given to us in the past, but they've only given $100. I wonder if they could give any more. If you're using a spreadsheet and if you're uh, still not leveraging technology in certain ways, then you might not be able to learn as much as you want to about that donor. And you might not be able to easily track them through that donor lifecycle. So in other words, when you're looking at that list of donors and you see William Gates and he gave you a $100 check one time, maybe if you did a little bit more homework, you might be able to get a little bit more out of Mr. Gates. Yeah, I, I work with lots of non-for-profit organizations of all different shapes and sizes. And the thing I hear a lot is if they are using Excel spreadsheets to, to track their donors right now, how many constituents do they have in that Excel spreadsheet? If it's a few hundreds and that they obviously plan for that list to grow, researching CRMs or donor management products is definitely a great solution. And most people I speak with, they, they think that to purchase a CRM or a donor management system, it's going to be relatively expensive. 
But just doing a simple Google search, looking at CRMs or donor management systems out there that are available to non-for-profits, there's so many, and a lot of them are relatively inexpensive. And, yeah. and I always tell people, if they're leaning in that direction, take a look at the options that you have available to you. Schedule those demonstrations with different CRMs out there. See how user-friendly they are and if they would be a good fit. I even have some non-for-profits will say there's some like-minded organizations out there where it wouldn't hurt us to contact them to see what they're using for a CRM or a particular database. Let's stay on that subject for a second, Mitchell, because for the listener who is new to all of this and still using the spreadsheet and, and hearing what you're saying and, and what Jill is saying and starting to think about it a little bit, how do you facilitate that jump from the spreadsheet to the desktop? Because it's not easy. It's not easy, <laughs> for, for sure. I, a great analogy would be even myself. When I first started, I, I wasn't using the, the particular CRM that we have in place right now and the ability to track my clients, doing reporting, knowing which clients I should be reaching out to, adapting technology um, <laughs> was the best thing I could have done. There's a saying, work smarter rather than harder. And uh, a lot of not-for-profits I work with once I follow up with them and say, how, how was the transition from going from an Excel spreadsheet to the CRM that you're using now? And they might say for the first month in adopting that new technology, it was maybe a pain point, but <laughs> like anything else, once you've uh, adopted that technology, learned it, they, they can't see their lives without <laughs> yeah. having something like that in place. Yeah, pretty much. Jill, why is donor management so vitally important to a nonprofit? Absolutely, because of what we've been talking about. If you have certain donors that are giving $25, $50, $100, but you're not uh, sure if they could be potentially giving more, if you're using a spreadsheet to try to manage that process, it can be extremely labor-intensive. Um, you might feel like you're not seeing the entire picture you're not able to kind of get analytics really quickly. So I think if you're able to see the bigger picture and see those donors and easily segment based on, okay, these are my smaller donors, but these are the people that I, this year, I'm going to try to move these people up to a higher giving level, or these are my major gift donors that are giving a lot to us, but I know they might also be giving a lot to others. We really need to keep them close and, and steward them properly. So I think it just enables you with the data that you need to make more educated decisions. And to Mitch's point earlier, if you're trying to figure out when is the right time for me to go from a spreadsheet to a donor management system, a lot of organizations and what we hear is we want to wait until we have more donors. We want to wait until we have more budget. And to get that budget, you need more donations. But the bigger your database gets or the bigger your spreadsheet gets, the harder that task is to move to the technology. So it actually is kind of a bit of a double-edged sword because the easier, the earlier you move, the easier it might be because you don't have as many people in that. Yeah, and you're not you're not having to worry about two thousand people. Maybe it might just be two hundred when you start. And by the time you get to the two thousand level, you know what you're doing. So let's talk about the prospect list because now we have our our constituents and you know they're everyone who we've got an email address on basically and we send them our newsletter every month and we're all happy about that and every once in a while we send them an ask and so on and so forth but how do i get started building a prospect list i have a lot of people that i work with will say prior to using a fundraising solution 
we would use free resources that are available online, like Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, to try the prospect to find new potential donors. The type of technology and fundraising solutions out there allow you to hone in on those lists a little bit better. We all know that founders of companies or, or people that are CEO, there may be some capacity there, but trying to identify affinity to your cause, that's something where a fundraising solution can take you full circle in building lead lists and prospect lists, but also identifying those people that would be more apt to give to your type of cause before because they've demonstrated that in the past. Mm-hmm. I think it seems like it might be a, a really great, obvious starting point, but a lot of organizations haven't really been able to tap into it, is if you are in a particular area and you are of a certain, you're a human services organization, or maybe even you're an arts um, organization of theater. If you have other theaters in your area and you're able to find out who is giving to them and how much they might be giving, that could be an awesome place to start because those people have, like Mitchell said, a proven affinity to your cause and you're able to see right there on paper that they have been giving money and they have some capacity to give. So being able to leverage previous charitable giving can be a really great indicator of potential future giving. Well, let me ask this. If I'm new to all of this, like so many people might be who are listening today, and you're just starting to manage more donor information, right? what do I do about the people who are already on my list that I don't have much info for. I mean, is it an easy process to move that into the digital world? For those folks I've talked to in the past that are a non-for-profit and have a donor database where they capture names and addresses, and they usually tell me, we haven't screened our database in the past. And if we have hundreds of constituents or thousands Doing something like a well screening would be a great way to identify who are those hidden gems in your database. And I see that all the time where someone might be making them a $500 gift and they're quite happy about that $500 gift. But when conducting a well screening on their database and they're able to find out that that person was just as capable of making a $25,000 gift, that can be a game changer. We are discussing donor management and some of the tips and tricks that you might want to know if you're a novice to it or if you're already pretty much a pro, but you can always find out a couple of little tricks along the way. So now we're talking about donor management. Let's make a list of the things that I should be keeping track of. I finally got rid of the Excel spreadsheet. I've got a CRM. I'm scared to death, but I'm doing it. What are the things... Other than name, address, and that kind of thing, what are some things that I should be keeping track of? I always tell people if they have a CRM in place, you absolutely want to have your donor's name and address tied to your CRM. Having little nuggets like their middle initial partner's name can go a long way, especially if their intention is to eventually screen their database in order to find out who those hidden gems really are. Something I hear a lot too in the industry is relationship mapping. We have these donors in our database, but we'd love to be able to find out who do those donors rub shoulders with in our community? And can we potentially, as an organization, capitalize on some of those relationships? I've always said that's the secret to donor management, moves management, is knowing those little things. It it looks good on an organization when the donor knows that you've done your homework and and that that you're showing an interest in, in them. And many donors expect that nowadays. It's become so sophisticated that if you go into those meetings without those key pieces of information, it's almost as if you haven't done your homework. 
I brought it up a minute ago. Moves management. What is the process behind moves management? The real key behind moves management is not bringing someone into your donor database and then bringing them in at a certain level and leaving them there. The key behind moves management is bringing them in, learning the data or the pieces of information that you need to know about that individual and tracking your activity with them so that you can move them through the donor life cycle. And while you're doing that, continue to increase their giving levels. So if you're able to, like we identified earlier, find out that this person could potentially be giving more money, then as you move them through this, you'll want to identify who they are. You'll want to use different qualifying techniques to understand, oh, they could be giving additional money to me. And then you want to start having those meetings and getting those key pieces of information that Mitchell mentioned, like their likes, their dislikes, their wife's name, and continuing to gather that information. And so at the same time, do that relationship building while also doing your work in the background to identify additional pieces of information about this person so that you're being really sophisticated and targeted and you can move them efficiently through the system to donor and then to maintaining their donation year after year. We are having a great discussion about donor management, what you need to do, what you should be doing if you're not, and how to maybe move you from novice to pro in terms of donor management. I hate to break, but we're going to stop for just a short pause. Much of our conversation has been more of the basics, but we're going to dive deeper into donor management. And for our listeners, we're going to share with you some tips and tricks that you might not know that are right at your fingertips. Oh, this is good. You're listening to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm Joe Turner. We'll be right back. Major gifts are the ultimate source of funding for nonprofits. They can help fulfill your mission and achieve your vision. Having a strong major gifts program should be a priority, but where do you begin? The best place to start is with Sukup Strategic Solutions. We create transformational change by working collaboratively to raise funds. Our fundraising consultants will assess your organization's fundraising capacity and develop a plan that serves as a blueprint for your fundraising success. Visit our website today at SukupStrategicSolutions.com and schedule a free consultation today. That's S-O-U-K-U-P, SukupStrategicSolutions.com. When it comes to major gifts, the effort you put in can make all the difference, and Sukup Strategic Solutions can help. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Today, we're talking about donor management and the many ways it can truly turn things around for your fundraising. We're speaking with Jill McCarville and Mitchell Bruce, both with iWave from their offices in Prince Edward Island. Now, Jill, earlier you had mentioned that you had a great story to share with us on how prospecting and digging into your list and kind of seeing what might be under the surface that's not immediately floating to the surface, how that can be beneficial. And you've got a great story about one of your clients. Yeah, we were talking to a client of ours uh, recently. It's an aquarium uh, in the United States. And they were talking about their goal in 2021 was to make their fundraising proactive instead of reactive. And so we were asking them lots of different pieces of information about how they did this. And they basically said that they took a data-driven approach. And what's interesting is this new approach actually came out of the fact that all of their events had been canceled because of COVID-19. So they had to pivot and they had to figure out how they were going to get uh, more money in the door to be able to continue on. So one thing that they did, which I thought was so interesting, they typically screened any individual who had given a gift of $500 or greater so that they could identify of those individuals who have given $500 or more, 
who should we really be prioritizing and spending the most time with? Who are the hidden gems? But what they did, they had a new individual come in and they, they decided to screen an individual who had only given $100. And what they quickly identified is that individual had amazing potential as a major gift donor and did end up giving a major gift. So they thought, wow, if we hadn't done this, we would have missed this person altogether. How many other people are falling through the cracks? And so because of that, they actually changed their entire procedure. And now they screen every single individual who gives $100 or greater. And in the, just the first three months, they had identified more than 16 potential major gift donors that they would never have identified otherwise. How often should a group be digging into the list, into their prospects and going through everything and everybody and seeing what, what they've got in there? I think it used to be that people would only do that every year or whenever they were entering into a major campaign, but we've really seen a major shift in the industry over the last few years in that way, uh, because no longer do you want to screen once a year or once every three years and then have to try to figure out what, what of that information is now outdated. So I find that our clients and, and lots of others in the industry are saying that they're screening smaller lists more frequently. So in that situation, they are, they're screening every month, everyone who gave $100 the previous month. Well, you mentioned the words wealth screening. What is the difference between prospecting and wealth screening, Mitchell? A lot of organizations I, I work with are in new donor acquisition modes. So they'll usually tell me, we, we have a pretty good handle on our current database. What we'd like to do is expand and look for new potential donors in using fundraising solutions. So building those types of lead lists, finding out who in your area has capacity, they have an affinity to your organization. When we talk about well screening, we're really talking about looking at your existing donors and trying to identify out of that, those existing donors that a non-for-profit already has, which constituents should be they be spending a little bit more time on, who, which ones are demonstrating that there's more capacity there than what they've been demonstrating to them. Now, it, it's not uncommon where people will prospect to find new donors and when they build those types of prospect lists, when they have them together, then they do a well screening on that prospect list to find out if we have a nice prospect list together, let's screen them and find out which ones should we be spending more time on, which show the greatest affinity to our type of organization. So give us a few tips and tricks when it comes to donor prospecting. What are some things that I should be looking for that I might not be aware of or I might not be thinking of? Well, a lot of organizations I work with might look at um, 990s, uh, public sources that are available to them, such as annual reports, and looking at maybe who's giving to like-minded organizations in their area. Other people are... Um, word of mouth. They're talking with their board members and their donors and in, in trying to capitalize on those relationships. For the prospect, especially if you've been cultivating this prospect for a while, for that prospect, if you know exactly, as, you, as you're pointing out, the, their pain points, their do's and their don'ts, they, they like to be referred to as you know Joe instead of Joseph, even though the name is Joseph and, and that kind of thing. If you can pinpoint all of those little things, and, and the list probably is endless, then you really are doing yourself a great service and, and your nonprofit in terms of going after uh, more gifts and larger gifts. Absolutely. And I think it all comes back to affinity. Even in your cultivating them to try to make sure that you're asking them for donations for causes that they have said that they are passionate about. 
And then in the after the gift is given, communicating back what the impact of that gift has been and how it has impacted the passion that they had for helping, whatever it might have been. That goes a really long way. And I know we've just scratched the surface. Mitchell, did you want to add something? I think for, for me, uh, a lot of the organizations I speak with, the, the, sometimes the toughest part of my job is is to convince them that looking into platforms like a CRM or a fundraising solution is a great use of their time. Like it never hurts to see what else is out there and never hurts to take a look. So many organizations, they think that they don't have the budget for us based on the size they're not for profits. When they look at the solution and they realize, wow, this could really make us a lot more efficient. We can clearly see how in using something like a CRM or a fundraising solution, how this could take us to the next level. So don't be afraid to research platforms out there that would be a good fit to your organization. And it's it's free to take a look. And, and always ask for a free trial too. Ask for a trial so you can try to learn the software in a, in a couple of weeks. Give yourself a chance to see if this type of CRM or fundraising solution a good fit for your organization. The more you know, the more you can grow, I guess. You're right. Pretty much. Well, Jill McCarville and Mitchell Bruce from iWave, I want to thank you both so much for being our guests today on Impactability. This has been some outstanding information, and we definitely want to bring you back sometime in the near future. Thank you both so much. We appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us, Joe. Thank you, Joe. This was great. That sound means it is time for Coach's Corner. This is where we take the questions that you send us and we ask our impact coaches what they think. Maybe they can answer the question for you. Maybe they can help you out with something that is plaguing your nonprofit. And today's question is perfect timing. It's a Thanksgiving type of question. And our guest impact coach is Joanne Lawrence. Joanne is a marketing communications and fundraising expert. She's been doing this for a lot of years, and she has some great insight that she's going to help us with today here on Coach's Corner. So, Joanne, the question is, we know that Thanksgiving is a good time to thank our donors, but when it comes to stewardship, what are some tips and tricks that we can use to be thanking our donors all the time? Now on Coach's Corner, Joanne, you have five minutes to answer the question, and your five minutes begins right now. Thank you, Joe. I would say yes, it is a great time to thank donors during Thanksgiving, but it's really an important time to thank donors all through the year. You want to do it many, many times because there's a huge connection between donor retention, which is really important, with how much a donor feels appreciated. In fact, a wise fundraiser once said, the first step in getting the second gift is how much appreciation you show that person for their first gift. Now, part of stewardship, which is building the relationship after someone has given their first gift, is to continuously let them know the impact that their gift is making, keeping in touch and showing them appreciation. So it's really easy to show appreciation while conveying and communicating what their donation is actually doing in people's lives. So I suggest every time, whatever type of appreciation program you're implementing, always communicate your impact at the same time. But my biggest tip for you is to create an appreciation plan. This might be part of your stewardship plan. 
But do you want a specific appreciation plan? Because we're all thinking, oh, it would be great to send something to people during Thanksgiving. But if you're thinking about it right now, it's probably too late. So start now if you don't have a plan and decide for the future what holidays will we send our donors little digital cards. I think every holiday that you can is a good idea. It's very appropriate to send something, especially if you send a digital thank you, like an emailed thank you, or even a printed card, and it includes some pictures of your clients or people that you serve. Make it really meaningful and impactful every single time you send any type of gratitude to a donor. You always want to thank a donor, no matter what size the donation is, with a thank you letter that includes your tax-exempt information so that they can deduct it if they choose to. If you want to use your donor management system that makes it so easy, it could just be a few extra buttons you click to tap into your template that you have for thank you letters. It makes it so easy. Now, holidays are a good time, but also Thank them whenever you're putting things out, like an impact report. Every chance you get, thank them. Like, for instance, if you take somebody on a tour, have the children or clients or whoever you're working with, maybe make them a cute little thank you card. That's what I did when I was a fundraiser for a charity for children. I'd have the child actually bring up the thank you card that they made And when you get that from a four-year-old, it means everything. Take their picture with it, put it on social media. It really means a lot. When you're doing a gala, you might have some of your clients come and tell a story about the meaning of their gift in their life. Go give them a thank you gift that comes from some of the people that you serve. Think about every opportunity as a chance to have a touch And we know that it takes nine to 12 touches, say, to have the first gift given by a donor. You need to have nine to 12 touches to get the second gift. And so these opportunities to appreciate are all touches. Put them in your newsletter. Highlight a donor in each newsletter. The possibilities are infinite. Well, I hope that everyone has a great holiday and really enjoys appreciating their donors. That was absolutely fantastic, Joanne. We really appreciate your input on this. And thank you for being on Coach's Corner. And we look forward to seeing you again really soon. Thanks, Joe. If you've got a question for Coach's Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's impactcoaches.net at impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and that way you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Joe Turner. Thanks for listening, and thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit.